Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you feel like your allergies are having a comeback tour and you want relief quickly, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny, and itchy nose and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Can I see that old Gibson? I was like, this is my this is my favorite guitar. Very handsome guitar. Yeah, found this guitar for me in um, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Oh, New Hampshire. I grew up in Maine. That's nice, man. Ooh, that's a beautiful chord. That's really nice. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Every now and then, an artist comes along who reframes a genre and reignites a scene. This summer, I was at the spectacular Newport Folk Festival where all the buzz was for this pop folk artist who I'd never heard of, but seemingly the whole audience was itching to see. And then just a few days ago, his name came up again in the best new artist category at the Grammys. So I had to investigate and invite him onto the show. It started with an impromptu guitar lesson on my 50s archtop acoustic that I brought into the studio that day. Here's my conversation with... My name is Noah Kahn. I'm from Stratford, Vermont. But it's the season of the sticks And I sock your mom She forgot that I existed And it's half my fault But I just like to play the victim I'll drink alcohol Till my friends come home for Christmas And I'll Your song Stick Season was an unexpected breakthrough success And a real change of pace from your earlier material Tell me about how did Stick Season come about? So I was in... Los Angeles recording my second album called I Was I Am and it's a definitely was kind of in this pop space you know making like anthemic pop music there's always like some folk pop elements but I definitely felt like I was more in the pop space and I was kind of falling out of love with that style of songwriting and the process was no longer enjoyable to me I didn't feel like I was capturing enough of myself in the music and I felt like I was kind of just going through the motions and, you know, I was working with an incredible producer who's just a brilliant, brilliant guy. And so I would go home like after sessions at the studio and I would just write folk songs for myself because I grew up listening to Paul Simon and James Taylor, Cat Stevens, David Brothers. So these these songs were always, you know, what made me love music. And so when I started to fall out of love with the music I was making like professionally, I would try to go back to being inspired by artists like that and writing songs that could give me a little bit of that love again and that feeling of passion again. And they were just for me. I really wouldn't play them for anybody else. And it was just a way to keep music my own. I feel like I was losing control of my own love for music and my passion was kind of being, you know, sent in the wrong direction. Is there something about the just the format of the... A little bit of like the assembly line nature of the LA songwriting scene that's that that contributed to that? Yes. Yeah, for sure. I feel like being in the studio and walking into a room, there's like an expectation to finish something or to even start something. And some days I'll be so dissatisfied that I when I'm working by myself that like I won't even start anything. And I actually like that better because I know that I'm working towards something great. Whereas in LA there's this feeling of clock in, clock out, like what do you want to write about today? 
And I think I started to focus mm. more on like impressing the people I was writing with mm. or impressing my A&R or when I sent him the song mm. than I was about making myself like the song or like writing something that represented me in that moment. Obviously, I interview all kinds of folks who, who really love that sort of system. It mm. works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. I think it stopped working. I think it worked for me for a while. And yeah. then I started to be like, I don't like this anymore. And I also, what I can't stand is like, in LA, everyone starts at like 2 p.m. And you're working from like 2 to 8. I'm like, dude, I don't want to fucking have dinner at your house. Like, I like I like to feel like I have a real job, even though I don't. I'm like, let's start at 9. Let's work until 3 or 4. That's as much creativity as I have. Like, yep. don't catch me at my least creative time, which is like mid-afternoon. After, after lunch. <laughs> into my hungriest time, which is dinner. Into my most food comatose time, which is after dinner. Okay. So I was getting tired of that. And I was writing these folk songs, you know, that reminded me of... Uh, the music I loved growing up and also was about the place I grew up in. You know, I was writing songs about home and hmm. I think I really wanted to go home at that time. And I'd spent a lot of time at home. And when I was home, I wanted to leave. And when I was gone, I wanted to be back. And so I was writing a song about that. Uh, I put like the verse onto TikTok and then was kind of like, oh, this isn't very good. I, maybe I should delete this. And I think I just like ate a weed gummy and fell asleep before I could like delete it. As you promised me that I was more than all the miles combined You must have had yourself a change of heart Like halfway through the drive because your voice trailed off And I woke up the next morning and this verse had like lots of views and lots of success on, on TikTok. Had you established much of a TikTok presence at that point? I was kind of, I was building it, but yeah. not in a very intentional way. I was just posting whatever, like posting little snippets and things. And I have had a huge following. It was huge for me since 2017. So, you know, there's people that had known me that were on TikTok that sure, were sure. fans of mine. I don't think I'd reached like a larger mainstream audience or anything at that point. Uh -huh. Yes, yeah, so I woke up in the song, I'd, you know, had some views and had some like legitimate momentum. And so I walked into the kitchen and I wrote a chorus for it. Plains and I love Vermont, but it's the season of the sticks. And I suck your mom and she forgot that I existed. And it's half my fault, but I just like to play the victim. I'll drink alcohol till my friends come home for Christmas. And I'll drink. And then the chorus blew up as well. And <laughs> suddenly we had like half of a song that people were really loving. And, uh, it kind of made me question like what I was doing overall. I was like, you know, the song that I wrote that just made me happy in my Airbnb is like really doing well on TikTok and the stuff that's, you know, I'm working on all day and working hard on and that the label's supporting and that I have this incredible producer who's helping me with like, isn't moving the needle for me emotionally. And I'm not sure if it's even moving the needle for me commercially or in terms of like mm -hmm. any kind of success. So it made me reconsider. And so I started to kind of dive into Stick Season as the song and as an album with a new perspective and a new like, feeling that maybe this was the, the better path. How would you describe the sort of genre or feel of the song? Yeah, this is one that like I have, I've, I was hoping to make it like almost more like the Pine Grove alt folk space, but kind of found its way into like Lumineers territory in a lot of ways. I think I would describe it as like like a folk pop song for sure in yeah. that it's very contained in, in the sense of a pop song verse chorus verse chorus and they're like not a ton of room for music but like the anthemic and the imagery I think is like Americana and folk you know yeah. singing about a place singing about the countryside and singing about you know feeling left behind um in, in a way that felt anthemic and to me felt folkier. So I think it's definitely a folk pop song that kind of bridges more into folk than than the stuff I was making that went from more folk to pop. 
if we're bringing in the the roots of Americana and folk music, there's almost this tension then that you're writing this music, which is, uh, you know, often very analog, community oriented. You think campfire, sure, and yet it's happening through the most contemporary technological medium. How right. do you feel about that tension? I think when you imagine Americana and you imagine folk music, you do think campfire and analog, like you said, and and like privacy and almost like a muting of like the promotion of it just because it's supposed to live in this like organic space. Um, I think that's just not possible for me. It wasn't possible for me in that moment being at a major record label and like, you know, having an audience that had been listening to my pop music for a long time and had been consuming my music through my means of marketing, which were definitely more in your face and kind of like promoting and uh, being on TikTok and promoting songs on TikTok and teasing things. And, you know, my collaborations to that point had been very pop focused. So I, I think... I was trying to make music that I love that felt like Americana and promote it in the same way that I promote everything else, you know, being myself. And, sure. and uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like there was some tension there, but I didn't think about it much until afterwards. I was just yeah. like, let's just get this thing out there. And right. I'm kind of glad I did. You, you kind of answered it already, but I'm curious about how you conceive of like, what are the signifiers of Americana folk? What are the signifiers of pop? I think pop sacrifices story for universality. And I don't say sacrifices, but trades. Sure. Trades. Makes a trade-off. Like, you are trying to reach as many people as possible with a concept that is relatable. Pop music is you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be more immediate. Uh, mm. And so all of it's supposed to be more immediate. That, to mm. me, comes from the m- melodies and the the production choices are supposed to capture attention. Mm. Uh, whereas I think folk music is supposed to focus on story and whatever means to an end telling the story requires. And that's... Mm. If that means space and that means nuance, if the story is requires a more delicate touch and a more longer told story, and that's what happens. Uh, right. Whereas pop music, the goal is to do it as quickly as possible and as, as immediately as possible. And mm. certainly not to say it's a bad thing. I think it just requires drastically different approaches. And so... It's a different intention. Totally. And so if you're listening to an artist and you're expecting a pop song and it's a you know five-minute folk song, then you'll be confused because they're very different approaches. Mm. This album sits at the, the crossroads between the two. There, there's a lot of specific imagery. I mean, the chorus here, when you talk about Seasons of the Sticks, tell the story of, of, of where that comes from and, and that imagery. Yeah, so, you know, the term stick season I'd actually used in a song that I was writing a few years before, another one of those songs that I was kind of just writing for myself. And I wrote it during stick season in Vermont, uh, which is actually this time of year, like late October, mid-November, like, Trees are all leafless, and um, it's gray outside, and it hasn't quite snowed yet, but the ground is hard as hell, and it's brown grass and patches of dirt, and it's a really depressing time of transition. I was about to say that there's no clear emotional imagery connected to this whatsoever. <laughs> it's just, And it's the best, yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, it's 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 a term used in Vermont for that time of year. Why do you think it's important for people to label it as someone you know, who grew up in this environment? I think because— it lasts long enough that you have to confront it with some kind of label. I think like it, it, it's, it's like a month of time, and it's very clearly not autumn anymore. Uh, but it's also not quite winter yet, and saying autumn or winter feels wrong. And I think Vermont, um, as a culture and as a community, is a specific place and wants to find words to describe what it's like to live here. You know, I think people find Vermont to include imagery of trees and beautiful foliage or snow in the wintertime. That's kind of what people can sometimes reduce it to when there's a lot more going on there. And this is, there's a, people say there are six seasons, you know, there's winter mud season in the spring, (laughs) as you know about, uh, 
you know, summer, fall, stick season, then winter. And I think, you know, it helps people understand uh, who don't live there, what it's like to be there, and it helps people who live there kind of represent what's happening in the moment. You've shamefully left out maple syrup. so And maple syrup and Bernie Sanders and Subaru Outbacks and flannel shirts and, Just make and Ace sure. Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> Love her music. Amazing. Hard pivot. I saw that Olivia Rodrigo had done a cover of your song on BBC. Yeah. I think she said that you're one of the best living songwriters. Oh, wow. Um, I realized that you, the two of you kind of have written alternative realities of the same concept and driver's license. House, but today I drove through the suburbs crying because you weren't around. As you promised me that I was more than all the miles combined, you must have had yourself a change of heart that halfway through the drive because your voice trailed off exactly as you passed my exit sign. Kept on driving straight and left our future to the right. Now I am stuck between the feeling of using the road as metaphor for mm-hmm. a past relationship. Do you feel that there's any kind of kindred connection between these very different songs? I think so. Yeah, I think they both play on a feeling of being left behind 100%. I think Olivia, felt, and the narrator in that song, feels left behind uh, in a relationship or, you know, you are in the same place you were with somebody uh, but you're no longer with them and it feels like the place got its meaning from the relationship you had with somebody. Hmm. And I think that's very true for my experience uh, in stick season and, and in Vermont in general. It's like I spend all this time with my friends or people I love and in the song, the narrator spending a time in a relationship uh, in Vermont. And then when that person leaves, it feels like the whole place loses its meaning to you uh, and looks worse and looks grayer and, and the season affects you more because you're no longer with the person that got you through it. Um, I think driving to me has always been a metaphor I've used just because growing up in New Hampshire and Vermont, like driving is such a huge part of it. Like I have to drive 25 minutes to the gas station or to get groceries, 25 minutes back. If I want to go hang out with my friends, I'm driving from Stratford to Etna, New Hampshire. That's 45 minutes. You know, it's so much of my time I spent in the cars that it really, really, uh, you know, informs my my life experience. I mean, you even, uh, I think you coined a great term in one of your songs, you use the term Northern Attitude. Someone said, like, people in New England will change your tire for you if you're stuck, but they won't say a word to you the entire time. (laughs) I've always felt that to be very true. Like, people will help you out, but they'll be pissed off, and you're going to get some brusque people. But, like, they're all kind deep down. But but, but you never say it. You never say it. There's a very specific love language going on there, and I feel like I'm always trying to— in a lot of ways, like draw that out of people. Even like when I play shows, I go. To, I'm more nervous to play a show in Vermont or New Hampshire than I am to play a, sh- a song about New England in Missouri. Because like, there's this feeling like they can't know what it's like, so they assume that I've captured the experience. Whereas uh, like, I go to Vermont, and I'm like, they know what this place is like, and yeah. so I hope that I captured. It, I hope I nailed it. And I hope that I am not misrepresenting this place to people who are from this place. I'm curious about from the musical perspective. I mean, you said that you grew up listening to you know, Paul Simon, James Taylor, et cetera, and uh, Ava Brothers, yet you begin in a sort of more pop, indie, pop, folk thing, mm-hmm. have made this record that has really connected with folks and is being, I, I don't know if, if it's, I don't mean this negatively, but I could say positioned sure. as more of a, a Americana folk thing. Sure. Is there a scene that you're drawing from of music that is either heard or performed 
at home around around your your region. I'm curious where where those sounds come from beyond you know yeah. the sort of like larger national uh, uh, sounds that folks know. I don't know if I was drawing on any particular scene from Vermont. I drew a lot from other artists for sure. Um, to name two that like created projects that really helped aid like the imagery in stick season, I would say Sam Fender's uh, 17 Going Under. That record like really painted a picture of where he was from, what it was like to grow up there and totally different from where I grew up, but I felt like I was there. And when I was listening to, his, listening to his music, and I think that's a magical thing to hear someone's unique life experience and be like, okay, like I, I feel like I kind of get it. Um, and like I said, Vermont's a place that not a lot of people know about. And uh, my experience is my own, and I wanted to bring people to Vermont and to my experience, but also allow them to draw on their own experiences in their own hometowns. Hmm. So you said there were two. You said Sam Fender. Sorry. Uh, and then Phoebe Bridger's Punisher. Another great record that maybe isn't necessarily about a place, but she draws on a very specific life experience in each song and imagery of different places she's lived or been or relationships she's been in that are so specific to, I think, to her own life experience, but feel so relatable, obviously, to so many and does it in such a way that you almost have that feeling of voyeurism Mm -hmm. of like looking into Mm -hmm. something and being like, whoa, it'd be cool to be there, but you can never be there. Like on tour, like I'll drive by towns or I'll be in towns and I'm like, I just want to be a part of this town. I want to be like a local here so bad. And it's just this tension of not quite being able to, but feeling like you're right there and right close to being a part of it. And those albums made me feel that way in a really good way. And I wanted to kind of draw on that feeling and for my, for my record. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you have allergies, then I've got a familiar scenario for you. You wake up on a beautiful spring morning and peek outside to get a feel of that nice breeze, but then you start to feel a little tickle in your nostrils. That tickle is the spring air telling you to go be a hermit and avoid the outside because you'll soon be a sniffling, sneezing mess. But don't listen to it. Allergies suck, but a good nasal spray makes all the difference. I personally learned that I suffer from adult onset allergies, and it's a real bummer. But a good allergy med makes all the difference for my ability to go out in the springtime to smell magnolias, my favorite flower. If you also want relief quickly to get back to breathing in the spring air, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I noticed that you know your your this album is primarily just you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been in LA pop world on a major label. I think if I were in a decision making power on a label, and I thought, okay, album about Vermont, Americana pop folk thing, I'd be like, that scene happened a decade ago, right? Right? There was Lumineers, Marcus sure. Mumford, Fleet Foxes. That kind of a thing. Yeah, I'm curious about how you feel about those those comparisons and any expectations of sort of carrying that torch. Yeah, the, I've always 
found it really interesting that the cultural pendulum swung so far away from that. I think that there's some unfinished business there. I they had like, to go to Avicii for a, while, for a minute. Yeah, they're like, all right, we still want a little bit of the folk stuff, but like, it can't be like the overalls anymore, you know? And uh, <laughs> For the record, you're you're wearing a sweatshirt right now, not overalls. Yeah, on stage, I'm like fully leaning into it. Though. I mean, not as much as like when they were wearing like pre-Civil War outfits. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I, I always felt like I loved that music so much and then it kind of went away and it became like, this is so lame and, and like, this stuff is corny and like, I can't believe we let this music happen. And I'm like, oh, well, I really fucking like that stuff. Like <laughs> maybe I'm a bad person for liking that music, but I really enjoyed it. It made me feel happy. I feel like there was enough depth in the music that I could feel like I was hearing something important with it. And like the, I think there was a lot of bad versions of that kind of stuff that that came off of Lumineers and Mumford and Sons. I think we, we, we got a lot of like a car commercial music yeah. that was derivative of that, especially when it went like hard ukulele. Yeah. Uh, not in the like uh, historical usage of the ukulele, no. but just like strumming, corporate, like whatever, happy songs on the ukulele. Yeah. Boom clapping. Yeah. Like, hey, oh, yeah. Like that <laughs> shit got, that got too much. I totally agree. But I think like those artists in particular like received a undue amount of hate for making music that I thought was good. I think I won't speak for the thousands of runoff bands or whatever. Sure, sure. I think at any point, like a certain volume of music becomes like, all right, let's move to the next thing. Um, but when I was making these songs, I feel like I wasn't necessarily thinking like, all right, like let's make something like Lumineers and make something like Mumford and Sons or like, I was just thinking, let's make something anthemic on the acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what they were doing. And, and that's how it ended up sounding. I think hopefully what's moved forward is the storytelling um, and the lyrics that speak to some current and modern problems. I think loneliness, isolation, mm -hmm. especially during COVID, grappling with our parents, our relationship to our parents, our relationship with our families, that things we had to grapple with during COVID. I think these are very relevant uh, relevant themes. And, and the music was something that people have loved for a long time. And like yeah, I mean, with Olivia Rodrigo, big ballads, big emotional, yeah. hard on sleeve stuff was kind of making its return. Yeah. And so I feel like it was a lot of right place, right time. And I think you can see that is returning now in a lot of ways. Mumford and Sons and Lumineers are headlining lots of festivals. and Well, the geriatric millennials have to go out and do something <laughs> after bedtime. Yeah, after watching Harry Potter and drinking a glass of red wine. I'm very much including myself. I mean, this, this is too. embarrassing. No, Nobody is. I've never shared something like this, but I was very much doing the same thing. This is me and my co-host in a uh, oh, I don't know what the date is, but probably 2013. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm sorry. I feel like I just made fun of you. No, no, no. Will you please describe what you're looking at? Two, one, two, three, four. I am looking at a beautiful man. Oh, thank you. Playing a mandolin, wearing a one of the Peaky Blinders hats <laughs> with like the vest, with like the Red Dead Redemption fit on. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> and the guy next to him was a banjo. <laughs> like, you you were doing it. I was doing it, we but had, I was too. We had we had a band called we had a band called Simpler Times. And actually, the podcast actually um, comes from that originally. We started doing this project as a, as a fun side project ten years ago, and it turned into a whole music journalism career. But oh, um, well, I hope I didn't make fun of you because I like I like I said I love oh, I'm that self-deprecating. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it too. No, it's very embarrassing. I just like yeah. when you described the outfit, I was like, like oh uh -oh, shoot, I have to shit. show you this. I photo. saw you go to your computer, I'm like, oh, is, did I like should I not have said pre Civil War or something? Is that bad? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I was on X and I said I wrote canceled. Yeah, no yeah, like, no con, con is canceled. over party. But yeah, so I, I do I do feel like there was a moment for it, and I think it's cool. And I think and I hope that as music progresses and as you know people's 
desire for relatable lyrics progresses, that this music can happen in a way that feels modern and that feels yeah. current. Well, that's, I think that's a good pivot to talk about Dial Drunk. Well, I would love to hear about the story of Dial Drunk in particular. I'd be like, to, I would like to know how uh, it might be helping us cope with uh, our existential woes. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I put out Stick Season and like was suddenly in like a moment of like legitimate success for my career and like some, you know, mainstream looks from different things and like feeling like I was in a different place than I've ever been. And um, it was really cool. But I've every single, every single, sorry, ever since I started in music, I've always had a complete fear of failing and like having my next song and not being able to write another song and struggling with writer's block and pressure. And so like at this point with like the success of this record, like that imposter syndrome and that feeling of being a failure that no one could see yet and having a lucky fluke of an album work was like at an all time high. And, and I had committed to making a deluxe version of the album, you know, Right after Stick Season came out, I was like, this is amazing. Like, I want to be in Stick Season forever. Like, I'm going to do a deluxe. My label's like, fuck yeah, deluxe. And like, my manager's like, great, deluxe. And then suddenly it came the time to make the deluxe. And I'm like off the road for a week and then back on the road for a week. And I'm not living a real life or a real life experience. I'm like touring and like living this weird fake world of being on tour and being on social media all the time. And so I was really struggling with like how to write something again and what to say next. And so I just started messing around with my banjo at home and I went over to my guitar player, Noah Levine's house and I was like, let's just write something and not care uh, about what we come out with today. You know, when someone sends you a mix and they're like, it's the worst thing in the world, it's not mixed, it's fucking terrible, I suck so bad, but just check it out, like sure, you preface yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing a lot of that and then we went in and we started writing a song and I started writing about a guy who thinks he has a way to solve a problem that's long beyond solving and is doing it in a really bad way. Uh, it's definitely something I've felt in my life. And the story isn't about me, you know. I've never gotten blackout drunk and sent to the police station and tried to call my ex over and over again. But I've definitely felt like I can fix something that doesn't is beyond fixing. Uh, and so we wanted to write a song about that and just started kind of like coming up with a banjo line and putting the acoustic guitar in. And it almost felt like when we started to produce it out, like it felt almost like punky in a way, which we were like, this is really cool. It has like a kind of this like pop punk backbeat with this like very folky banjo line in this big kind of po folk pop chorus. We put like the baritone guitar and had some like Roy Orbison feel to it. And like a weird Blink-182 beat. And so we recorded it and we wrote the bridge part that was really fun to make, kind of just like a repeat bridge with like chantiness to it. It felt like exciting enough and like genre bending, I don't want to say, you know, different, it, it spanned a couple different genres in some of the production that it gave me the freedom to think that it was cool to do. It was a cool moment for myself to be like defeating my own brain in a way. One of the things we do on our show is often find the patterns and tropes and cycles that different artists uh, have. We've 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 noted that you know Taylor Swift has this melody she uses all the time. Mm -hmm. She goes ba ba ba. Mm -hmm. I can't sing. She's an, 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 <laughs> sure. a mean.
And actually, Olivia, who obviously admires her a lot, has a, has a song on her record where she uses the same the same little motif. Anyone can use it, but it's just like one that's like you know something. There's certain sounds we go back to. Yeah. And I, and I did hear between uh, season the six. And Dial Drunk. You have a, a melody in common. Mm-hmm. Was was this an intentional Being moment of? Drunk and alone, yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think, I think part of that is probably subconsciously being like, I want to write another stick season. And then yeah. another part of that is that I've always had through lines in my melodies just because I use simple chords and it's hard to kind of completely digress if you're using like a one, four, five or whatever it is, uh, chord progression. Um, that's why they're campfire songs is so that everybody can sing along. You kind of have their, they are built to have some that you can predict where things are going to go so that you can participate. Totally. And I think when you're in in a room writing a song and like, you're making like a lot of times the way I'll write, if I'm not like, if I don't have lyrics is I'll just be singing melodies and then like, doing things that feel comfortable like or feel normal for me and then they find their way into the lyric and you kind of forget about what the melody is doing because you're so focused on what the lyric is saying and and I sometimes don't realize that I am making some of those same jumps when I'm messing around and saying gibberish like I'm making those same melodic jumps um, well if you're stealing from yourself you're developing an identity which is really different than stealing from someone else <laughs> 100% um, 100% I, I've always when I was a little kid I was always able to do a little yodel oh and so bringing a little bit of a yodel into the into those parts is like something that I feel like is a little bit of like a signature move for me mm. of being able to go like you going up. Mm. But it's terrible but right now. Ooh, but like, yeah, the, the the movement between the break range. Yeah, yeah, you can hear the break. But I always felt very excited by by my ability to do that. And so I always felt like if I can just bring that into my songs, that's something that's pretty much just mine. I think you should only write that melody from now on. I mean, and, and it might just keep on working. It's working so far. I mean, you're fucking exposing <laughs> me here, brother. <laughs> Got this while I was going. Like, oh, no, he actually I, knows about music. Damn, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get exposed. <laughs> it was in listening to it like the sixth or seventh time where I was like, oh wait, I know that melody. Yeah. It was it wasn't a it's not a like, oh, this is the same. They feel like distinctly different sure, uh, sure, vibes. Sure. I mean, as you described, yeah, the whole production and the and and the move to the song and the uh, sort of the feeling of them is very different. But I was like, oh, wait a minute, what is that? No Funny one's got a thing. I can, I can name off like five different songs now from my own discography that I'm thinking about that that are like that exact move. What pops into mind? Uh the song Young Blood. It's like like coming back down just getting up there and escaping real quick or song called catastrophize it's like don't you know that you're the last thing on my mind you come back down but it's like reaching that top because it's like oh nice and it's like you're coming back it's very satisfying very satisfying Uh, but yeah I am doing that a lot and I'm gonna keep doing it until someone says shut the fuck up better to have a signature than no I'm saying yeah it's true that's my finishing self plagiarism is fine Um, (laughs) can I play you a couple of questions I have from listeners and from students absolutely I would love to hear from the listeners I would love to hear from the students it's so cool Okay. okay so here are some questions from listeners Joey asks your song, She Calls Me Back. The pre-chorus includes the line, I still dial 822-993-167. I keep wondering if there's some significance to that number. It's an interesting choice to put a specific number in a lyric like that, and it's one digit short of being an actual phone number, which makes it more perplexing. Yes. I think the intention was to, again, create a feeling of reality and a feeling of specificity that allows for the story to come across as really genuine and the emotion of the narrator to feel really real. There wasn't enough 
phrase left for me to finish a whole number. So I'll still <laughs> dial eight zero two two nine nine five two whatever. You know, that's like you're you're lost there. Uh, so I had to just fit it in. This is your pop sensibility. This is you knowing that there's only you you have to get the syllables right, and the syllables are more that's important right. than the number. You also don't want to get in trouble with the FCC, and you don't want to or to uh, dock some poor person with the number eight two two whatever. Right. And you definitely and you also don't want to use five 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 like the movies no, do because it's so, everyone knows. Yeah, and uh, I think I, I did want to do like a a play on a Vermont phone number eight zero two is our is our, uh, our area code so eight two two. Kind of like felt like it did did justice to that that need for me, but also it was yeah it was my inner Max Martin coming out and being like we need to fit this <laughs> we need to fit this phrase in there. Um, but I think it is close to it's not it's a, it's a toll free number. I'm looking at it up. eight two two. There is no yeah okay is not in existence yet. You're good. I you didn't dox anybody. Eight, Thank two, goodness. Two nine nine three one. Two two nine nine. Yeah, I think someone told me it was like the National Life Insurance Group number if you made it to Vermont area code. And I was like, all right, well, they're getting some calls. That sucks for them. Okay. All right. That's fun, though. All right. So that's just some melodic math, but it sounds real. Helen asks, in his live shows, recently he's had a bunch of surprise guest artists and has become the king of collabs. Post Malone, Casey Musgraves, Hosier, Lizzie McAlpine, Zach Bryan, Mumford and, Mumford and Sons, etc. He's referred to them as side quests. If you could collab with any artist in the world, who would his next collab be? I think if I could collaborate with any any artists right now, um, I would love to collaborate with Boy Genius. Mm. I saw them live in Boston and was blown away and and felt like they have such a incredible relationship with each other. And the relationship with each other, it comes across so much in their music that I've, I find it really beautiful. Like, even if they're not always singing about each other, they're singing about one relationship, you can hear the support for each other and the way they're singing and in some of the lyrics, you can feel the love and live particularly you could see that and so i think it'll be really cool to work with them in some capacity and find a way to to make our worlds work together and and to just get a chance to listen to them sing will be really cool so i, I um i'm now teaching at nyu uh, this fall uh, a songwriting and production majors and i had a couple of students that wanted to ask you some questions i think one of them might sort of cover some stuff we said before so if that, that's fine if you just want to answer yeah of course hi noah it's ava your music is very conversational and honest while still keeping to rhymes that stick with people and stick with your audience. How would you describe the identity of your music and writing? That's a great question. First of all, it's so cool to get to talk to or get to like listen to students at NYU. I've worked with so many as they've graduated and I used to live in New York in the writing scene here and mm. so talented. So whatever's happening over there is great. And uh, congrats to any of the students that are, are there and get a chance to have an experience like the one they're having because you guys are gonna be so successful and and talented and it's just fun to watch so mm. thanks for asking the question and taking the time to talk to a uh, high school graduate today <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the identity of my music I think a lot of it is the conversational element is like a lot of it is me talking to myself and I think it's a it's a constant conversation with myself and so I think introspection is probably my identity in a lot of ways. I think I'm always thinking about who I am and what 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 it means to the people around me and what it means to where I am and um, how I'm changing. So I think just constant analysis and introspection is probably my, uh, my identifier. Hmm. Here's another question. Hi, I'm Sachi. And a question I had is, have you ever faced writer's block? And if so, what have you done to overcome it? Yes, I have so many times. And when I was growing up, it was the worst because I would be like, oh my God, like I need to find a huge artist that like can't write a song because I want to know that it's possible to be at that spot and mm -hmm. still feel the way I feel right now. So I always love getting asked this question because I love to give a chance for people to hear that this shit happens at the highest level, at the lowest level. 
at any level you're at in music, you'll always, I have always faced writer's block and creative struggles and, and thinking about writing and thinking about what I'm writing and comparing it to what I wrote before and thinking it's worse, even if it might not be. Um, writer's block in particular, I struggle with, you know, it's, it usually happens when I am going through something in my life, uh, personally or mentally that I haven't figured out and haven't dealt with yet. So I, I always recommend talking to a therapist and talking to somebody that you are talking to somebody you trust about how you're feeling because it can kind of unlock that tension within yourself. Hmm. A lot of times we tell ourselves, I'm not going to talk to anybody about this. I'm going to write it down and it becomes, or any, I, and I recommend writing things down. But if you hold your, your shit in all the time and you think that writing a song is going to fix it and you can't write that song that day, it feels like you have nowhere to turn. So I always recommend giving yourself a chance to talk to somebody about how you're feeling first and foremost. This this is advice coming from a New Englander who clearly has gone through therapy. That that, that is some that is some reformed way of thinking about emotions. Yeah, yeah. No. Actually, what you should do is just drink a hundred Miller Lights, watch the news, and watch the Red Sox play, and then just yell at everybody. Don't dial drunk is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, don't, don't do as I say. Do not do yeah. as I do. <laughs> do as I do. <laughs> um, I've got one more question for you. This comes from one more of my students. Your students are cool. Hey Noah, my name is Ethan. And my question for you is, what is your most useless talent and why? <laughs> my most useless talent is probably that I can memorize phone numbers like immediately. Like I used to have no contacts in my phone for a long time. I just knew everyone's number because I could just... But they're all unfortunately eight digits long and you uh, you always forget the last digit. And that's the problem. <laughs> and now that I've gone to a seven digit, uh, seven digit mindset that no longer works. But yeah, I used to know all everyone's phone numbers. And I would be like, I'd be like, if anyone's phone, they're like, can you call somebody for me? Like, oh, I got them. And I would have to be able to do it anywhere. <laughs> and it's like, why the fuck am I doing that? It becomes so complicated and like, I just, you can just put someone's name in there. Phone numbers are, oh, they're 10 digits long. Silly me. Are they 10 digits? Right. 802. <laughs> I'm not going to give my phone number on the fucking thing. <laughs> five, five, five. Oh, no, I can't remember how many there are. 802, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 10, you're right. <laughs> no, this has been really delightful. Thank you for sharing. I've, I've really enjoyed getting to hear about your music. Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. Thank you so much yeah, for chatting. Appreciate your time and your questions. And it was cool to talk music with someone that knows so much about it. So oh, thank thanks. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I have to ask you, will you do one more thing for me? Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but you played something on the guitar when we got in here. You played a chord right here. Oh, with yeah. Some, like, beautiful mystery chord. Yeah, that's my mystery chord. I usually don't share this with anybody. What is your mystery chord? It's like an A minor thing. So I guess it's that. But it's up here. And you get that E uh, string in there. That feels really good. Oh, it's pretty. Yep, that's about as jazzy as I get. Can I show you two mystery chords? Yes, please. See? <laughs> I was going to say, beautiful. To this. Sick. I'm gonna go and home then it and rip that off all day, dude. Uh, you gonna nah. do my little trick? <laughs> <laughs> I got a banger. Words no, third, no, you got a third. song. There you go. Uh, <laughs> this episode of Switched On Pop was produced by me and Rihanna Cruz, edited by Jolie Myers, engineered by Brandon McFarlane, illustrations by Alice Gottlieb, community management by Abby Barr, our executive producer is Nishat Kurwa, a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. I would love to hear what you were listening to in the world of Americana and folk music, pop folk, whatever you want to call it. You can reach us at Switched on Pop on social media and at switchedonpop.com, where we've also got some fun merch that you can check out. Next week, we are going to be running down our favorite things from this year and things that Switched on Pop maybe wished had made it onto the charts. It's going to be a fun conversation with the whole team. They'll be dropping on Tuesday. Until then, thanks for listening.
One final shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. You know what's a terrible question? What's your favorite part of having nasal allergies? I don't know. Absolutely nothing. Luckily, you might be able to find some relief with Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's astaproallergy.com. Use this directive for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Socks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com. <laughs>